been a big increase of entrepreneurship. You know, the companies that we're working with now are brand new companies. Everyone's kind of taking the time to take that idea that they had in the background and now is the time that they're activating it. Actually, it proves how little control that we might have. You know, the pandemic proves how little control we have, but I'm going to start to take control for myself and this is how we're going to do it. Welcome back to the Alumni Matters mini-series. I'm Jenny Lucas-Hill and my guest for this mini-series is Margaret Shearer. In the final episode of this mini-series, we're going to be discussing marketing during the current COVID-19 crisis and also looking forward into the future landscape of digital marketing. So thanks for joining us, Margaret. It would be great to chat to you about marketing in the current crisis, but also about the longer term future of the industry. Um, obviously, with the COVID-19 outbreak, 2020 has been a year of huge challenges. And I don't think any of us have ever used the word unprecedented quite so many times. Um, but in the context of marketing, what type of campaigns do you think have been the most successful in keeping customers engaged and on board during this crisis? Yeah, it's interesting. There was a ration march where everyone was kind of sick of getting these updates from their, you know, all the different brands that they have worked with. But I think that kind of empathetic reach out to educate your audience to say, this is what's going, look, you know, what's going on. This is how we're changing. This is what you can still expect from us and setting those expectations and another terrible buzzword, the new normal. Um, you know, I think that's very, very valuable because it's a, an aspect to reconnect, reinforce, you know, reset. Mm. And those have been very, very good. I think the other things that have been really interesting is obviously there's a very different way of how you film videos. So the other impact and learning of like some really beautiful videos that have come out, you know, Guinness was one of them. Uh, that is all done through stills, all done through just images and a voiceover and kind of seeing that creative flex to say, how can we still put a beautiful message out there, but it doesn't, it, it looked very high gloss, but it is done through that. There's so much more limitations on how you can make those creative uh, assets now. That's been really interesting. And then just how quickly, you know, your feed and mine are filled of, of Zoom photos. And people are really willing to say, I think it's a real opportunity, to be honest, to, for smaller companies. It's like people are really less, more accepting of your raw images, your raw photos, because they're going through it too. Everyone understands that situation. So it's going to make more sense for, you know, just start those videos, start it in a scrappy way, start communicating in a new platform that maybe you've been afraid to do so because you thought you didn't have the budget to do it and so forth, but just get going and, and people are very accepting of that. Mm. Yeah, I think it's been really um, interesting to see kind of the way that some brands and companies have been able to kind of seize that opportunity. And I think in some ways it's kind of been a bit refreshing. I think prior to all of this, I think things were so, as you say, so glossy and so, and it's almost been, we've been in this super surreal situation, but we've had this kind of dose of reality from kind of these very grounded new, as you say, new normal kind of campaigns and strategies. I think that's been really interesting. So kind of building on that, we have seen kind of this emphasis more on this idea of kind of creating a community with customers and providing this sense of emotional connection. Do you think that we're going to see that influence the style of campaigns going forward? Do you think we're going to focus more on engaging with our consumers rather than just selling to them? Well, hopefully you have been doing that the whole time. You know, there's a 
I use a couple of different models when we talk about the buyer journey. So there's ARC, which is Awareness Research Consideration. There's one that Google does, which is See, Think, Do, Care. And it used to be See, Think, Do, and Care got added a few years ago. But the idea being um, when somebody sees a, you know, ad, the, th the think is, you know, are you providing some kind of information? And then the do is, are they then going to your website or is are they then buying or what is that action item that you want to do? But the care part of it is where you're going back and really giving love to your existing customers or giving love to your existing um community and encouraging them to kind of come back into build that brand love for your company where they're becoming fans, right? They're the most famous protective uh, community out there is the Bayhive, right? Like Beyonce's mm -hmm. legions. If you say one ill thing, they're, they're on you and that there's a community that are so, so focused on her uh, and, you know, drink the gospel uh, as it comes. And, there's no reason that we can't, that any company can't create those kind of same fans. Do you create those nice experiences, not just on what you're putting on in social, but if somebody gets in touch for their um, complaint department, or how are you switching that into a positive experience? How are you making something very fast and easy to talk to? I, there was, um, uh, Facebook was saying that there's been an increase of messaging of 66%. So at the moment, people, since March, so people would much rather message you than email or call. So oh. how are you creating those um, lines of communication? Are there, is there a bot? Is there a real person on your website to be able to message? Um, and that feels like a safe way to communicate at the moment, but the, the vast audience is looking to connect in that way, as well as doing those kind of different check-ins, you know, like how, how are you guys doing for, for right now? Do you want this kind of services? You know, if you're quitting a subscription or something like that, and they say, why are you doing that? Are they following back and saying, sorry to hear that? How would you, how about this deal? Or whatever it is. But how are we continuing to not um, just focus on net new people into the pipeline, really taking care of the community that's already bought into your products and services? Mm, absolutely. And so, I think the consensus is that we've still got vast challenges yet to come, both in terms of coronavirus and the economic impact. But there's also kind of been wider discussions around kind of the climate crisis and this notion that the crisis we've just been through is almost a bit of a kind of a wake up call of actually we've got this huge crisis kind of coming. What role do you think marketing can play in addressing these challenges? I think in terms of how can marketing be utilised by brands to kind of help convey this message and also kind of to help promote almost behavior change and changes in attitude do you think it can play a role in in that yeah of course I think there's something about um in tech a lot we get really focused on our product and what our product is doing for the audience and there's a lot of times that we can forget about the audience themselves put the audience first mm -hmm. so you know if you're hearing adverts in all different places, it's because that company seems to think that that's where their audience is. And so number one, they're just trying to reach them through the different channels. But I think as far as um, changing behavior, yeah, of course, you look at the gamification of so many different, not only games, but different kinds of ways. There's a psychology that people prefer this kind of gamification aspect. So if you consider like Duolingo, now you get 
you're learning, you're hopefully on the platform to learn, but they've introduced like a leaderboard because it gets competitive. There's a natural competitiveness that people have. There's red, you know, little stars that you can gain. So it's a little bit of with these different causes, are you, how can you not only make the education, number one, reaching the people that want to listen, Mm -hmm. you have your core audience, and then what are the, the ways that like, you get into the different waves of people that it, they need less convincing, they need more convincing, etc. And then how are the different ways we can start to play into the psychology of, you know, the scarcity uh, feelings, maybe gamification, maybe it's, you know, show, show you've recycled all of this, maybe, you know, get, gain your stars for being conscious of the environment for, for sharing something else with somebody else, uh, sharing information. I think there's, you know, there, for a long time at the beginning of kind of YouTube, there was this desire to go viral. And mm-hmm. at the beginning, going viral really did pay off in uh, revenue. And going viral now, how much it pays off in revenue, I'm not sure. But I think it's a matter, uh, you know, depends on, on each product and so forth. But I guess it's like, what is your cause? Where is your community? What do you, what do you need them to learn? And then how do you want them to engage? Mm. Um, and so are you spending a lot of time um, on TikTok and maybe your audience is not on TikTok? You know, this kind of aspect. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And thinking about everything that's happened over the last few months, if you could now go back to, say, kind of March, February time and give your past self one piece of advice based on what you've learned, what would it be? Uh, I, I think I... I wish I had known that there's going to be like more information coming that there was that there, I think that I had, there was like two mantras that I had. Like, I think at the beginning, the mantra was, um, you know, different memes I had seen where the first mantra was, we're not working from home or at home during a crisis trying to work, mm-hmm. uh, which was number one. And then I think number two was like, we're in the same storm. We're not in the same boat. Mm. And I wish I had known that second one first uh, to be able to kind of adjust in a little bit and then also to kind of have um, faith that there are these other models coming through. And, and it was exactly this point, you know, people cut marketing first because that's seen as the extra cash or whatever, even though at that time, probably marketing was the most important thing because people are consuming more content than ever there's a big switch from being um from the mobile to the desktop consumption because now you're not commuting or you're not kind of out and about looking on your mobile as mm-hmm. much as your desktop but i think i wish i had known to say like people are gonna take a pause but they're all coming back and also the there's been some really beautiful um there's been a big increase of entrepreneurship you know the the companies that we're working with now are, are brand new companies everyone's kind of taking the time to take that idea that they had uh, or had in the background, and now is the time that they're activating it. And it's been really lovely to kind of see those foundations and those steps taking forward for the other people uh, in my community or broader that I'm meeting that are saying, actually, it proves how little control that we might have. Um, you know, the pandemic proves how little control we have, but I'm going to start to take control for myself. And this mm-hmm. is how we're going to do it. So I wish I had known those things, that there's going to be you know, lots of creativity, that there's going to be, uh, the stability is coming. Uh-huh. And that, and then also that everyone is, we all have very different boundaries around this time, both in business and ourselves. 
and yeah. that's and we need to start communicating what those boundaries are to say like i'm i'm not going to do my daily walk because of this or i'm doing the daily walk and it's going to happen at this time no matter what because that's what's keeping me sane um or those kind of aspects so i guess uh, it's going to be okay <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely Perfect. Okay, so sort of looking forward to the longer term future for the marketing industry, what do you think the future might look like for digital marketing? You know, it's so interesting. There's a big thing happening where Google is going to be getting rid of cookies. Um, these are the little trackers. So when you get to somebody's website and then you go to your different websites, you're like, oh, that's weird. It's showing me the chair that I was looking. This is done through like a remarketing cookie. So it kind of follows you around through your, your IP addresses to go to different properties. So there's questions about privacy and so forth. And Google has said that within the next two years, we're going to be, the cookies will no longer exist. Wow. And so it's an interesting idea of how are we going to be remarketing in a way that, is personal but not creepy, which is one of my taglines. How do we be personal but not creepy? And we all have had that marketing experience where, like, that is too much. Yeah, absolutely. Why do they know that? How did that connect from this app to that app? My brother actually said the other day, he's like, um, it's my sister and I was like, is that app listening to me? It's like, well, you've given it, you've given it the the rights to listen to the microphone, so maybe. But you know, there's other targeting happening. They're not just listening to you, et cetera. But I think what's going to be a big landscape is, you know, as I've talked a lot before this, is the collaborations and understanding that we're going to probably go to a return of maybe the internet um, 15 years ago of these different blogs or websites who truly understood the audience that's coming to their to their site. Uh, and there's going to be a lot more collaborations where now you're going to have to go not necessarily in a programmatic way buying your remarketing, but going to the different entities and different properties to probably get your adverts uh, included on in these audience spaces. So it, it might end up being a step back from the programmatic world. It might be more relationship building, you know, old school kind of packages for, for advertising, I think, as well as I think about, you know, there's a lot of questions and influencers. You asked it about influencers earlier. Uh, you know, I always said an influencer knows their audience far more than, than I would say 90% of brands know their mm. Influencers know when their audience likes them to post, what they like, what they want, what's going on. There's such deep insight into um, their customer base and, and their community. And I think it's just going to force brands to either set up that insights for their own community to try to understand more about what are the collaborations that are going to work, what are the other um, contests or deals or insights that they're going to need to, they're really going to need to invest in mm -hmm. uh, that audience intelligence, I think. Okay. So it sounds like maybe a challenge might be kind of having that, automated ability through the cookies to kind of know what your audience is looking at and stuff it's almost for brands but it sounds a bit the challenge is going to be actually really knowing for yourself what your audience want and what they're interested in yeah and investing into learning that you know it's not it, I mean my look it depends if you have a transactional product where you need a, a new audience every time if it's an ongoing aspect an ongoing kind of brand love if it's you know clothes it's the people that already know that your clothes are going to fit them no matter what that kind of aspect or and so forth but it's going to be 
you know, it's going to be a really core to the traditional marketing, really, like what is the value of your product and what is the value um, of your audience and how are we connecting them in different places online and are the communities that you've created mm-hmm. or is it um, how can you take what you've learned so far and then it's going to be slightly more blind, I think, as you're trying to then test out and learn as people travel around the internet, where are they going and, and can you be there when they get there? Yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting. So at Tutadina, you kind of, you've talked about bringing together the creative and the data sides of marketing together into one vocation for your clients. Um, What would you say is the key metric that people should be paying attention to in order to measure success or focus their attention? The key metric is defining success in the first place. Okay. Uh, I've, I've seen it so many times where people want to say, we want to do this kind of campaign. Uh, and, and I say, why? Or they'll say, we want to do this tactic. Mm-hmm. And they say, I don't believe in PPC. And I was like, why don't you believe in PPC? And we go back, and it's not because they probably had a great agency or something, but their website wasn't set up for the flow that they wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So like, I don't believe in sponsored posts on LinkedIn. Why don't you believe in sponsored posts? And then you look at the creative that they had tried before and there was no clear call to action. There's no clear targeting of who they're trying to meet. You know, personally, like there's some crazy stats, like people get actively angry if their content isn't personalized now. You know, so it's like 76% of people want something somewhat personalized. So again, not creepy. It's not calling out your name. Hey, Jenny, come to, you know, (laughs) you can say the name, but if it gets too personal, then it's too much. But it's, you know, define what success is. Are we doing this campaign because you want followers, because you want people to come to the website, because you want people to buy something, because you want people to register for your webinar? What is success? What is success? Number one. Uh-huh. And then we can build those micro KPIs around that. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so you're obviously in the business of creating marketing campaigns for your clients, but how do you market your own business and what tactics have you found to be the most successful? Yeah, that's a good question. There's, a, there's always a uh, balance of working in the business and on the business. Uh, that is a difficulty, I think, of being a solopreneur because if there's an influx of projects, you're doing less marketing for the business versus on the business. I'll admit that, you know, I didn't have a website for a year and a half, <laughs> you know, like a marketing company without a website because there was enough kind of incoming through the network and so forth. I um, believe in relationships and relationship building. I am a fairly successful networker. So one of things in the last year has been going to a lot of different networking activities. I'm now at a time where I'm reflecting on the data of of those activities. And obviously right now there's not any of these events happening. So how are they happening online and are they the best places to go? Um, But kind of taking a moment to step back and say what works in our sales cycle. I actually did put out a survey um, a few weeks ago, though, to my audience, to my customers and community, and just said, look, what is, what is the content that you're looking for from us? What is the support? What kind of support are you looking for? Because my assumption is at the moment, nobody's, nobody's signing up for retainers. There's mm-hmm. too much um, unease still, right? There's still, I think we're still far away from this 
the new normal. I think they're still in a, a settling stage, et cetera. I really hate that term, but uh, <laughs> so, but it was that moment to kind of step back and say, look, let's, what is the data um, analysis that I can do and go back to the community and say, what are you investing in? What kind of services are you looking for? Are you looking for long-term services or short-term services? How do we build that up? What kind of, how often would you like to hear from us? Um, you know, there's, there's very few newsletters that I think are great and they're a lot of work. And so it was something too that I said, do you guys want a newsletter? And resounding was yes, but monthly. And that's something that works for, so that's not only what the audience says, but that's something that works for me as well, as far as like a time commitment to creating a really great, now I can spend a month creating a really great newsletter. That's really valuable. The topics the community has said they want to read, which makes it more likely that it'll be forwarded on and shared versus kind of putting the pressure. Um, you know, it's funny, I mentioned this yesterday, there's that Big Bang um, Theory episode where they make these hair clips and they put on the website like overnight shipping. And it's like, why did you promise overnight shipping? And they're like, Amazon does. He's like, well, we're not Amazon. We're like five people in the room making hair clips, right? And I think there's a, sometimes we put this really bizarre artificial pressure on ourselves because our other companies do it or we think that we should, again, a bad word. But then on reflection, people don't, people don't want what you're putting all that effort into it, right? So if I was going to put all the effort in do you think actually everyone wanted it monthly? It saves some time to kind of check in and say, okay, what do you guys want to do? So yeah, so, so it's a matter of like, I, I'll be honest, I'm still on the journey of making my own marketing a reflection of what I do for my customers mm -hmm. um, because I know how much time and thought it takes. <laughs> and so it, is, it does get interrupted when, when there's some great projects because that's the focus. And then you just, I don't know, I'm, I'm midstream on this. I think of figuring out how to make it more automated in a way that, that can be more balanced um, while we're on projects to to doing our own marketing as well. Yeah, I guess it's tricky when you're doing it for other people to then have the time and the headspace to do it for yourself as well. It's I can imagine it's a lot to to try and do all at once. Yeah, and, and the other thing is I think you know some, my kind of brand values or the company is really about testing, learning, and connecting. And so I have a massive testing appetite. So sometimes I'm put doing things on social for my own social media. That's just a test. It's just so that I can, can learn and take those insights back to the customers. But I can also see sometimes where it could be perceived as like, that was really crazy. Or that's really not on it. But I'm just trying to, to learn something new because the algorithms are constantly changing. You're constantly adding different elements of what's going to, how are they going to favor this, this, you know, for the next three months. And so I'm... I'm constantly putting things out that are, you know, the strategies to test it. You talk about KPIs, but <laughs> the strategy there is I'm just testing this and seeing what the response is and, you know, how are people finding it? How are people engaging? And then, and then that's the foundation of what will come next. Amazing. It's like an opportunity within your own marketing to kind of work out what's going to be successful for your clients. Absolutely. Yeah, brilliant. Okay, so to wrap up, um, what would be, and this is quite a broad question, so it's probably a little bit of a tricky one, but what would be your one top tip to people working in the digital marketing industry? If you're working in digital marketing today, my belief is that you've probably become very siloed into one element and one expertise. Mm -hmm. And 
how can you take a step back and see how your specific expertise is part of the bigger picture of the marketing landscape that you're offering to your customers? Because you're absolutely expert at what you do, but understanding how you connect to the bigger picture is always going to be, uh, you know, who's, who's upstream, who's downstream, how are you connecting, how are you measuring it, uh, is always going to be really helpful to your customers to say, I am part of this cog and we're doing this part of it, but this mm -hmm. is going to help you in other areas of your marketing as well. That's really great advice. I think that's something that's really important. Like you say, it's not being siloed and it's being able to take that step back and, and think about the bigger picture. Brilliant. Thanks, Margaret. It's been great talking to you and thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your experiences. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to the show and thank you to Margaret for joining us and sharing her experiences and insights. Don't forget, you can also listen to the first and second episodes in this podcast mini-series with Margaret Shearer, in which we talk about taking a leap to pursue a new path and entrepreneurship. You can also tune into our other Cranfield alumni podcast by visiting www.cranfield.ac.uk forward slash alumni podcast, where you can subscribe on your favourite podcast platform. To get in touch, you can email us on alumni at cranfield.ac.uk Tweet us at Cranfield Alumni and use the hashtags Cranfield Alumni and Cranfield Alumni Connected. I'm Jenny Lucas-Hill and you've been listening to Alumni Matters. Thanks for tuning in.